0: It's Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Lakers Talk is on the air.
1: On 710 ESPN.
2: If the Lakers aren't in the NBA Finals against the Brooklyn Nets, something happened. Whether it was injury, something else pl- uh, came into play.
0: From the home of the 17-time world champion Lakers at LA Live.
2: At the end of the day, either the Westbrook deal will deliver for the Lakers and obviously put themselves in a position to win an NBA championship, or I'm going to be eating crow, but I'll take my chances on that.
0: Lakers Talk, Talk is, is on. on. Here's Alan
2: Slewa. What is going on, Laker fans? Thank you very much for tuning in. Here we are, another edition of Lakers Talk. What's the date today? How much closer are we to the NBA season starting? Um, we're about less than three weeks away. Less than three weeks away, the Lakers will tip off against who other than the Brooklyn Nets, Preseason basketball will start, and then the 88 game grind will begin from there. And obviously, for the Lakers, um, expectations of winning a championship and absolutely nothing else. If you want to be a part of Lakers talk, uh, you can always feel free to call in 877 710 ESPN. Try to take as many calls as I can in, uh, in tonight's show. You can also always hit me on Twitter at Alan Sleewa. Okay, let's, let's get started here. Um, DeAndre Jordan is officially a Laker. Marcus Gasol traded from the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, By the way, just to kind of give a quick little overview, Mike Bresnahan, Spectrum Sportsnet, coming up at 7.30. Trevor Lane of uh, Lakers Nation coming up at 8.30. I'm going to ask Laker fans their expectations for THT this upcoming season, uh, and we'll hit on some of the Lakers role players, top NBA stories, but I do want to start off with DeAndre Jordan. So we know he's officially a Laker. And we know Marcus All has been traded and is no longer uh, part of the Lake Show. Traded to Memphis and probably most likely will retire. Kind of an interesting wrinkle to that. But let's start with who we think is replacing Marcus All. It's DeAndre Jordan. When DeAndre Jordan, when it, when it first were the rumors and then it became official, and then we got a chance last week to hear from DeAndre Jordan. I, I want to play a clip from DeAndre Jordan last week uh, as part of his introductory uh, presser.
0: My
1: role for any team that I'm on pretty much stays the same. I'm coming in to defend the basketball, try to you know change shots and alter shots at the rim rebound the basketball, get my teammates open as, as best as possible, and uh, keep possessions alive for us and, and be a great force on both ends of the basketball floor and, and be a great locker room guy. And uh, that's that's pretty much been my niche and my,
0: my, uh, my thing that I bring to every team that I'm on. And I'm excited to get here and get to work with
1: these guys. And um, being able to have multiple lob threats now, uh, again, with this team is going to be great, especially with the playmakers that we have. And the uh, the unselfish guys that we have on this team, it's going to be great. All
2: right, that's DeAndre Jordan as part of his uh, uh, conference, his press conference last week, the kind of introduction with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, by the way, does that sound familiar? Does that kind of role sound familiar? Uh, it should, because when the Lakers won that championship last year, do you know it's been less than a year? The Lakers won a championship. It still doesn't. The calendar still doesn't make sense. Um, but when the Lakers won their championship last year. That was JaVale McGee's role. It was literally identical to that. And I think anybody, and I don't have to tell Laker fans this, Laker fans already know that that's primarily going to be how DeAndre Jordan benefits the Lakers, how he contributes for the Lakers, his role with the Lakers, and he kind of laid it out right there. I'll tell you one, you know, another kind of nugget to this when you hear DeAndre Jordan. I actually enjoyed listening to him uh, in his presser. It's gonna be a great locker room guy, like he mentioned. He's gonna say the right things, do the right things. He's gonna have in the the best interests of the team. Um you know, I, I I kind of didn't really realize this. I guess I just didn't pay attention to it. You know, DeAndre Jordan's only thirty-three that I thought uh just felt like he was a lot further in his career. And, you know, the Brooklyn Nets used him less and less last season. I don't know hypothetically how much of an impact he's going to have with the Lakers. I mean, as I sit here tonight and I, I do the show, um, is it a big deal that the Lakers got DeAndre Jordan? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is. I don't think it's going to be a you know a game changer. I think he'll have a role, like many of these other vets on this Lakers team, um, that if you're not LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Russell Westbrook, your name will be brought up less and less just because of um, you know, what you're expected to do on a night-in, night-out basis. Maybe give the Lakers 15-to... By the way, he could be starting for the Lakers. He can DeAndre Jordan can easily start for the Lakers exactly like JaVale McGee did. It doesn't mean he's going to end the game. It doesn't mean he's going to play 30 minutes. But that's exactly what DeAndre Jordan can potentially bring to the Lakers. And I think um, that's what, you know, the Lakers are going to get from having him on this team and having him on this roster. Like I said, is it going to be is this earth-shattering news? It's not. It's just another player that you can add to the Lakers. And another veteran that Rob Polenka went out and got and had to fight off other teams and still found a way to get a guy like DeAndre Jordan to come with the Lakers, and that you could add to a long laundry list of players that could have ended up in multiple locations, maybe got more money somewhere else. And that has not been the case. A lot of these players have obviously chosen the Lakers. So Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan... And Anthony Davis are going to be your three bigs that play significant amount of minutes at the five. Um hopefully A. D. plays more of the five, but of course A. D. will also play the four. Okay. So with that wrinkle and when this happened official last week, the other wrinkle of this was, okay, well what's going to happen to Marcus all? Again, not earth shattering news. This is the world's not going to end with either one of these players on the roster or not. just kinda of adds to the depth and and you kind of go from there. I mentioned this last week, that if I had to pick between those two players, my preference would have been Marc Gasol, That I, I kind of liked him. Marc, Marc Gasol brought something different to the Lakers, that DeAndre Jordan um, was similar to what uh, Dwight Howard gives on a night-in-night-out basis. So I I'd mentioned that my preference would be Marc Gasol. Okay, is what it is. Over uh, Friday, Travis and I were at the golf tournament. We're doing our show from there. And the news came down that the Lakers, Woj had reported it. Lakers trade Gasol, a 2024 20, second-round pick. and some cash, $250,000 to Memphis. The Grizzlies plan to work on a waiver release, allow Gasol to remain in Spain with his family. So he could very well... Um, end up retiring. The Lakers will save $10 million in salary. Not that big of a deal. I thought an interesting wrinkle came out recently. So, um, Somebody that I enjoy watching his work and uh, certainly reading his work, uh, Bill Orham who covers the Lakers with The Athletic. I want to read something off here because I think this is interesting. He put out a tweet, and this is part of his article. It says, Mark is a floor-spacing big the Lakers could use in lineups with Russell Westbrook. As a team source said about Gasol, he really could help us. More for more, Orem. This can only be a consequence of the Andre Drummond signing. Promising him Gasol's starting job and demoting Gasol to third string created a rift that could not be resolved. So this is some reporting by Bill Orem, um, who, again, does a fantastic job covering the Lakers. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I took a second on this. I, I want to go back. I remember when the Lakers originally signed Marcus. I thought Casal would have more of an impact. He didn't. That's the bottom line. He did not have that much of an impact last season. And I think a lot of Laker fans during the season were kicking themselves and they were saying, "Damn, what the hell did we do? Why did we get rid of Dwight Howard? Where's JaVale McGee?" Um, Lakers wanted those bigs back. Okay, you know what? It didn't happen last season. And oh by the way, it wasn't Marcus all, wasn't the only player that didn't work out last season. Uh, Wesley Matthews, I thought was going to be a good signing didn't happen. Montres Harrell didn't pan out to be um, you know, as big of a move as the Lakers thought. Dennis Schroeder, I don't have to tell you about. Dennis Schroeder had some moments, but then ultimately turned down a big deal with the Lakers, ended up with the Boston Celtics for I think five point nine million, something along those lines, maybe five point five. Um so a lot of the signings that the Lakers had last year, did not turn into what we were hoping for. And Marc Gasol is one of those players. Now, as the season progressed and the Lakers were trying to make a championship run and they were figuring out what players, you know, from a health perspective and just from a depth perspective, what do the Lakers need? I think one of the glaring things was Lakers need more size. They got to go get another big. They need a little bit more toughness. Um, So what did the Lakers do? They went out and made a, made a move in the buyout market and got Andre Drummond, who I think was making $27 million um, with the, at that point, the Cleveland Cavaliers hadn't played, I want to say, in a couple of months. And I was a huge proponent of go get Andre Drummond. I remember, you know, I, I referenced this. There was a time where a lot of people thought, including myself, that wherever Andre Drummond falls could be the difference of the team that ends up winning an NBA championship. So Rob Palenka and the Lakers, they go make a move to go get Andre Drummond, which, again, I'm going to say this, I thought was the right move. A lot of Laker fans were excited about it. What do you know? That move didn't work out as well. Did it not work because Andre Drummond didn't fit the Lakers, wasn't able to be um, impactful to the Lakers? Probably all of that. But also didn't work because Anthony Davis wasn't healthy, and we really don't know how far the Lakers would have got. But when I read this piece You know, from Bill Orem, that specific part, this can only be a consequence of the Andre Drummond signing. Promising him Gasol's starting job and demoting Gasol to third string created a rift that could not be resolved. You know, that one kind of sticks with me, and I'll tell you why it sticks with me. It's the front office's job to do everything they can to win. That's their job. You know, if you're a guy like Mark Gasol, you sign a two-year contract, guaranteed, year contract. You were going to get X amount of dollars over the course of the two years. I think it was north of $5 million. It is everything to the front office to try to figure out, especially at the buyout market, what do we need that we don't have? When we come back, if that created a rift between Marcus Gasol and the Los Angeles Lakers, I want to spend a, a minute or two on that because Uh, that just doesn't do it for me. And I'm sure there's a lot of Laker fans. It's nothing personal. It's just business. We'll do that when we come back. Plus, Kendrick Perkins was on the jump, and he gave kind of a little bit of a prediction here of how many games the Los Angeles Lakers are going to win this upcoming season. Uh, Couldn't disagree more with him. So that's coming up next. Uh, Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
2: I'm going to quickly report this. Yovan Buha put this out on Twitter, writes for The Athletic as well. Free agent big man Kenneth Fareed working out for the Lakers this week. A leak source told The Athletic, NBA. Uh, just to give everybody a quick idea, so the Lakers signed DeAndre Jordan. They trade away Marcus All, which means two roster spots still available for the Lakers. One, they will save in The buyout market—that's what the Lakers have done. Smart strategy. The other one they have to use. So uh, technically, you could say one roster spot available if you don't count the one that they'll probably save for the buyout market. Uh, Kenneth Farid working out for the Lakers—it sounds like this week, according to Jovan Buha. So I, I was—I want to finish this point that I was making about uh, Marcus All and you know that predicament that went down in the buyout market this past playoffs. I, I was a—I was a big fan of. Andre Drummond coming to the Lakers because I thought that's what the Lakers need. And I thought that not only were you getting him, you were stopping him from going to Brooklyn. Just to give Evan an example, that, that's that what the situation, the predicament was. So with all that being said, um, I know because I got a chance to obviously watch and listen and do in the postgame show that that was kind of an uncomfortable situation for Marcus All. Now he was going to go from, hey, you're our guy, you're our center to now you're behind Andre Drummond, and by the way, you're behind Montrezl Harrell, you're going to be third string. I know that wasn't a comfortable situation. That's what the Lakers needed. And really, that's all that should matter. Um, The front office has to do what's in their best interest to go win an NBA championship, especially this window that you're in. And it's, you know, we know the saying, it's the biggest cliche, it's nothing personal, it's just business. That's the reality, and I think us all probably took it personal rather than understanding, hey, this is a guy that offers something that you don't provide. This is good for the team. We need it. We need a guy that can go out there and get 12, 14 rebounds any given night. Um, Did Andre Drummond pan out? No, he didn't, but it was the right move for the Lakers to go get him. And, you know, like I mentioned, uh, if if this was – if Marc Gasol is not on the Lakers because he just wanted to retire, that's one thing. But if he's not on the Lakers because um, Andre Drummond came and uh, Gasol at one point was promised a starting job and then he was demoted, you know, if Marc Gasol was more consistent with his game as well, maybe that would have never been a conversation, but that wasn't the case. And I'm not, you know, pointing the finger at Gasol. It's just the reality of the situation. when You're trying to win an NBA championship – you can't really put yourself in a spot where you're all of a sudden picking and choosing whose feelings you want to hurt and, and whose feelings you don't want to hurt. Oh, by the way, if you're not LeBron, you're not Anthony Davis, You know, your opinion is only going to carry so much weight. And and maybe, who knows, maybe it was LeBron and Anthony Davis saying, no, we need Andre Drummond. you got to bring this guy in. He can help us. Maybe it's Anthony Davis saying... You know, I'm a little beat up right now when we're coming off such a short offseason between when we won a championship that I could use another big body towards this stretch. Were they going to stop because Marcus Gasol doesn't want that to be the case? So I'm I'm a I'm a full proponent of what they did. And even with all that being said, I still stand here today and tell you that I think Marcus Gasol's skill set would be better for the Lakers this upcoming season than, than uh, DeAndre Jordan's. But DeAndre Jordan is obviously part of the Lakers, only 33 years old, certainly understands his role. I don't think we'll take anything personal. And, you know, let's see what the, what the Lakers can do with all these offseason moves that they ended up making. Okay. So I'm glad we got that one out of the way. I was. Uh, I, I, you know it's funny. I, I spent some time, and I was kind of thinking about all the different uh, avenues and the kind of ways to look at this. And I don't. I know both of these signings or a trade and the and, and bringing in DeAndre Jordan. I don't think will be the difference between a championship or not. But you get depth, and depth is certainly what the Lakers have loaded up on so far. Uh, so far this season, or this offseason. All right. So this is always interesting when you have a championship roster and the goal is to hang another banner up how do you prioritize the regular season what what's what are the things that are most important how do you kind of go about um, how much are you fighting for home court how much is it disrespectful to not give absolutely everything you're supposed to do in the regular season or is it just part of the strategic plan over the course of 82 games and six preseason games and you know I don't have to run through the list of how old some of these players are for the Los Angeles Lakers I want you to take a listen here Kendrick Perkins who was on the jump uh, Sedano was hosting this was talking about you know Lakers Caesar Sportsbook has the Lakers listed to win 51 and a half games Take a listen to Kendrick Perkins of what he thinks the Lakers will accomplish in the regular season. This is another deadbolt lot. You cannot tell me that you're about to have LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, all of these players and you're telling me that they're not going to have a
1: 60-win season Please. Matter of fact, Perk! I wouldn't be surprised Perk! if they wouldn't the surface of hitting a 70-win season. Oh, perfect. now you getting crazy.
2: Come on. Up. Okay, that's Kendrick Perkins right there, which, by the way, I love his NBA analysis. Uh, when he goes back and forth with other ESPN hosts, um, of course, Kendrick Perkins, uh, he understands the game. He's in a great position right now at the ESPN. We could talk about the game on a night-in-night-out basis. Okay, let me put all that to the side. Um, the seventy game, scratch the seventy game, scratch the surface seventy one, let's let's that one's almost comical to me for a number of reasons. First of all, you have so many new guys on this roster and this team. As much as I'd like to say that I'm confident about this upcoming season, I haven't seen a game with these guys yet. So let's let this thing marinate a little bit before, you know, everything just everyone kinda takes off and starts saying, Wow, Lakers are gonna win sixty plus Vegas didn't call this one. The Caesars sportsbook is way off. Vegas sportsbook week 51 and a 51.5 games, please. Lakers are going to put up close to 60, 61, 62 games. Can we get a month, two months into the season before we start, you know, um, pressing for this roster on paper is actually also perfect on the floor. That's number one. Number two, the 70-game thing is – Um, from a strategy perspective, let's not even take the 70. Let's just stay at 60. What's the goal for the Lakers in the regular season? Like, honestly, what's the goal for the Lakers in the regular season? Do you think the Lakers have the same goal in the regular season as the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns or the Denver Nuggets or the Dallas Mavericks? Go down the list, the Portland Trailblazers, of some of these other teams that you know will be in the playoff mix. Um, I don't think I think they have polar opposite goals during the regular season. Everyone's got the same ultimate goal of winning an NBA championship, but the road of how you get there it varies from team to team. Um, you know the Clippers are in a tough position this upcoming season because the Kawhi situation, but maybe they think, hey, if we could have a good regular season and Kawhi could come back. Uh, nine months into his injury, and he could be a part of the team starting in April. Maybe Kawhi is going to be fresh and these other guys, and maybe their strategy is going to be different than Denver. Um, I'll tell you this. Phoenix and Utah last season, they were playing for home court. They knew that that could be the difference of beating a team like the Lakers or not making it to the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. They knew how important that was going to be for them. Now, ultimately... For the Lakers, I'm going to try to kind of explain what I think, what I believe the strategy is going to be in the regular season. Um, they got an opportunity to get off to a great start. I know Brian Windhorst was saying last week, don't be surprised if Lakers need time to get off to a good start, but 12 of their first 15 home uh, games are at home. But I think what's most important for the Lakers is just understanding all these guys how to play with one another. That's one part of it. The other part of it is, the marathon, you know, not the sprint, but the marathon. Lakers don't need home court advantage against the Phoenix Suns to get to the NBA Finals. They don't. They don't need home court advantage against the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets or the Golden State Warriors. Golden State might be interesting, but I don't think I still don't think they need it. Or the Dallas Max. They don't need home court against these teams to get to the NBA Finals while other teams need home court. That's essential. So when I hear Kendrick Perkins say, what are you talking about? Look at this Lakers team. They could scratch the surface for 70 wins. I don't know why Vegas only has them at 51 and a half. No, no, Kendrick. It's because it's not important to the Lakers. It's because it's not smart for the Lakers. Because the strategy should not be stock up as many wins as you possibly can in the regular season and not be 100% fresh or 75, 80% fresh. I'm just throwing out numbers. You you take away from how fresh you can be in the postseason. That's not the strategy. And I think this is you know I think this is an obvious one for me. It's obvious because the way I see the Lakers, who by the way will incorporate vets like Carmelo, will incorporate vets like Trevor Ariza and Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo and DeAndre Jordan. Those are kind of some of the main vets. Then you got Wayne Ellington, and you got Kent Bazemore, and Malik Monk, and Kendrick Nunn, and Tht's twenty years old, and go down the list of all the late all the players. Lakers are adding. Oh, by the way, you got a third superstar in Russell Westbrook. It is so much more important for the Lakers just to kind of get into some kind of rhythm where these guys understand each other's tendencies, uh, the lineups that make the most sense than it is going out there and trying to compete for 60 wins because Caesar Sportsbook said you're only going to get 51 and a half. Lakers can win a seven-game set on the road. But maybe the um, Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns can't do it if they don't have home court advantage. Like I said, I'm going to go back to this. I think home court um, has a role for certain teams. Would I like to see the Lakers have home court? Sure, of course I would. I'd love to see everything run through Staples Center. But I don't think it's a it's... Um, a must for the Los Angeles Lakers. And when I hear Kendrick Perkins on kind of a prediction of wins, I don't think the Lakers, if they get to 60 wins, amazing, unbelievable. But I don't think that's going to be a top priority and a goal. Uh, And certainly, you know, anything north of that would be unbelievable. What the Lakers need more than anything else is health. That's it. If they have that health, I think everything else uh, will be fine on that front. Okay, Uh, a couple things I want to promote here coming up on the show. Mike Bresnahan is coming up next, Spectrum Sportsnet. You know, him and I had a conversation um – I was uh, on Spectrum Sportsnet about a week and a half ago, and the question came up, most important Laker this upcoming season? He actually picked Russell Westbrook, not Anthony Davis, so I want to ask him about that. Um, also want to spend some time talking about Talon Horton Tucker. What can we expect from THT this upcoming season? So we'll do that as well. Uh, I mentioned Trevor Lane coming up at 8.30 from Lakers Nation. we got a lot to get into, Laker fans, so I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here.
1: Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
2: All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. I welcome back to Lakers Talk. Very excited to have Mike Bresnahan, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet. Mike, uh, it had been a while. Then, you know, you were kind enough to uh, say, hey, Al, why don't you join me here in the TV studios? And now we get to chat again here on radio. So it's been a good couple of weeks.
1: You know, it's like we're uh, living together or something. We we might as well be. We see so much each other these days. You're right.
2: You're right. You. And I was just going to say, um, you got to bring in some new milk. Okay, you can't just let the milk spoil and then you don't replace <laughs> it in the refrigerator. <laughs> do
1: you, do you know it's not true because I drink almond milk, which lasts forever, There it is. There uh, it is. Dairy milk. So, 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 the roommates are already breaking up. It, it's already we're already in jeopardy.
2: That's awesome. Well, well, listen, I actually want to go back because. I thought there was a good topic that was brought up um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a week and a half ago. And I thought your answer was an interesting one. The question was proposed, the most important Laker this upcoming year. And I didn't hesitate. For me, I said, you know what, it's Anthony Davis and – coming into his prime, 28 years old, and if there's ever a time the Lakers need to add more on his back and on his shoulders, this is the year. You had a different answer. You, you you thought Russell Westbrook, or you think Russell Westbrook, is the most important Laker coming into the season. I want you to expand on that, and obviously we have the opportunity to do it now.
1: Yeah, you know, that, That's first of all, I love the AD answer, no doubt. You know, he missed half the season last year. He's got some uh, stuff to prove, again, about uh, staying durable and of course, that type of thing—you know—little things have kind of hounded him at times throughout his career. Yeah, he, it's, it's all about Westbrook, all right. This guy finally has a chance to really do something special. He's been on good teams in the past. I remember covering the uh, the finals between OKC and Miami; which had to have been at least about a decade ago at least. And um, you know, he's a young up-and-comer. Good, good players on the team didn't happen, obviously. And now he, he's kind of circled slowly back towards. A big three situation where things really could happen. He's back uh, He's in his hometown. I would say almost there's almost a pressure on Russell Westbrook to deliver the, the promise and the hope of his career. Obviously, past Oscar Robertson, most triple doubles, tri- ah, triple doubles ever. So big accolades for him. He's always missed that championship. I think the, uh, I think it's on his shoulders to make it happen.
2: You know, Brez, I, I've always said this, and I spent a lot of time on this last week, was just comparing the Lakers and the Nets. And, you know, the big reason why I thought the Lakers went out and got Russell Westbrook is they didn't feel like, hey, we have enough star power. You got the, the trio over there in uh, in Brooklyn when you, look at the, when you look at both of those teams, and I think it's going to be fascinating and exciting to kind of see how the Nets do in the Eastern Conference, how the Lakers do in the West. What what do you think is, is there a glaring difference between the two teams for you, or do you think they're incredibly evenly matched? How would you kind of describe the, the star power between those two teams?
1: You know, I kind of like the Lakers a little better, even though we haven't quite seen it yet, just because... I think there's a little bit extra burst for the Lakers. Um, what I mean by that is Westbrook will be the fastest player on the court among all six of those guys. And I also like. I think the Lakers have a better defensive thrust with their three versus uh, Brooklyn's three. But I'll tell you what, I do like Brooklyn's supporting cast. It's hard to say no to, to a guy like Joe Harris. That might be the difference if those guys play in, in, in the NBA Finals. You know, several months from now, um, you know, I, I think the shooting could come down to three point shooting. I like what the Lakers did. Rob Plankett picking up a lot of good shooters for for, for pretty cheap contracts. Um, but Joe Harris is such a solid player; um, he could he could definitely be a difference maker in in a seven game series.
2: Mike Bresnahan, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Um, Brez, DeAndre Jordan, a Laker. Uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit about it uh, about a week and a half ago. What, what would you say, I mean, what, what are some of the key advantages of bringing him in? How, how do you think he can help uh, kind of build off of what the Lakers already did this offseason?
1: Uh, Alan, you broke up a little bit. Who are you
2: talking about again, sir? DeAndre Jordan, just his role with the Lakers. Um, when we, we, we kind of went over this uh, about a week and a half ago or so, now that he's, it's official he's a Laker, is, you know, just to kind of add to what the Lakers already have, how do you think he could be a benefit to this roster?
1: Yeah, great question. It reminds me of the Lakers two seasons ago, you know, when they they beat Miami in six games to win the NBA Finals. They had two big, tough guys down low, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee. Um, Neither can shoot threes. We don't want to see either of those guys shoot threes. But but the the formula worked for the Lakers. You know, let those guys take care of the block shots, the rebounds, the arm bars in the backs of the opposing uh, big men, just pushing everyone out in the key. And I think the Lakers are going to try to replicate that a little bit. Obviously, you bring Dwight Howard back. His year in Philly, statistically, was almost what he did in L.A. In fact, he even played more minutes with the Sixers than he did with the Lakers. And so you bring him back, and then you add a guy like DeAndre Jordan. I remember a front office official telling me, like 10 years ago, when he was with the Clippers mm-hmm. in Lob City, and it was fun to watch that team. A front office official told me, this guy's the next uh, Bill Russell, and immediately I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on a sec, hold on a sec. But defensively, he was right. Uh, just his his acumen for for rebounds and for clogging the lane and for blocking shots. Well, that's a decade ago. You know, I'm not I'm not immune to to seeing that uh, time catches up to a lot of people. DeAndre did not have a great finish with Brooklyn, uh, even some DNP's down the stretch. Um, but I think he'll be a nice addition for the Lakers if they can keep him in the. Need. Yeah, sixteen to eighteen
2: minute range per game. Brez, why, why don't you think Marc Gasol worked out for the Lakers? Why don't you think he is back with a? You know, obviously he signed a two year contract with the Lakers initially last season. Um, just you know your own personal thoughts. How come do you think? Wh- why do you think Gasol didn't have as much success last season? Obviously, the Lakers went out and got Andre Drummond at the trade deadline, and now uh, it's official: Gasol uh, no longer going to be with the Lakers. He's traded to Memphis. What, what do you think happened on that front? His role with the Lakers and why it didn't pan out the way most people thought.
1: You know, it's very interesting that the way that contract was structured when it was signed a year ago. You rarely ever see a two-year deal. For veterans minimum. Usually it's one year deal, see how we're all doing, maybe move on, maybe not. So even back then, it surprised me. I'm like, huh, okay, let's see how this goes. And then the season started, obviously, Gasol um, lost his starting job, and then started to play better as the season went on, and then COVID came and, and, and struck him, and then Andre Drummond, obviously, as you pointed out, that, that was a stunner. I mean, Andre Drummond just fell out of the sky right into the Lakers' laps. Uh, he did not perform like like we all thought he would. You know, he had some games to remember, but he also uh, kind of uh, got what did he had like an ankle injury or a toe injury. And you have to wonder how much that bothered him in his brief tenure with the Lakers. Bottom line, Marcus Saul, it was, it was just a very herky jerky year for him. Yeah. And you, you have to wonder if maybe he started thinking is retirement the best thing for me. And uh, obviously, it looks like that's what's going to happen. I, I would not expect to see him on an NBA roster. This season, but you never know. Maybe someone picks him up uh, before the uh, trade deadline, or, or maybe uh, it's during the, the veterans' uh, waiver buyout period uh, next spring.
2: Mike Brezan, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sports Net, talking Lakers basketball here. And we are just actually a, a few weeks away from the Lakers starting preseason basketball against the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and then, um, and then we'll be full slate for a number of months here, hopefully for a long playoff run for the Lakers. Um, Brez, I. I kind of curious you know every time you see a team like the lakers who are obviously built to try to win an nba championship i know the strategy is going to be a little bit different than some of the other teams what what how do you kind of um how would you describe the importance of the regular season for this team specifically are is is seeding important are you not even paying attention to seeding what what do you think are some of the priorities on in a regular season stretch
1: you know, I, I really like the first 10 games for this team. They could easily go 8-2, and two, maybe even 9-1. And, and And I think, I think the regular season is much more important for this team than it was a year ago. Regular season, when you come off barely 70 days of rest between the end of your, your finals run and the start of uh, opening night, that's a tired team. That, that's, that's not a team that needs to worry about seeding. You know, do they want to finish seventh? Obviously, no. That didn't work out too well for them. But I think it's a different story now. You have so many new faces. What, three people from last year's team on this year's team? It's crazy how small that number is. Uh, and it might even got gotten smaller without Marcus All right. right? I haven't really thought of the math. But very few holdovers. So I think the regular season, unlike a year ago, will be much more important for this franchise.
2: Yeah, you know, listen, I I find um I find it, you know, I I think it's a balancing act because they do have so many obviously veterans. We know LeBron will be 37 in December, and we know that, you know, the Lakers losing to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I really, really don't think. Obviously, seeding played into it. I thought it was just health. I, I really, just at the end of the day, Lakers weren't healthy. That's not to say I don't want to make it sound like I'm not giving Phoenix credit or any of that stuff. We know they got to the NBA Finals, but they also had a lot of things that worked out their way from the teams they played and big players that were missing. But that's that's part of sports. You know, you kind of need some luck on your side. So we'll we'll, we'll see how the Lakers uh, approach eventually approach the regular season. Um, Breast final one. And uh, as always, I appreciate you taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Um, you know, Talon Horn Tucker is he's in such an interesting I, I think in such an interesting spot with the Lakers because he's one of the few players that's been here for a number of years. And what kind of season do you think it is for him? I mean, what, what kind of expectations should Laker fans have for THT? Let's not forget how old he is. Let's not forget you know uh, how much. I guess you could say he still has to learn in the league, but he's also incredibly talented. In a championship type of year, what kind of ex- what kind of uh, season do you think we should expect from THD?
1: Yeah, okay. So first of all, he's the fourth highest paid player on the Lakers. So you know, think about that for a sec. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a guy who is now just a second round draft pick. What can you get from him? Yeah, you know, there's there's some financial expectations of him now. I'm eager to see what he did during the offseason, Maybe more than any other Laker. Uh, coming in or holding over from uh, last year's uh, regime, Um, what did he do for his shooting? He he finished under 30% from three-point range. That's not good. And if he wants to stay in Frank Vogel's uh, rotation, he's going to need to improve. Does it need to be 43% this upcoming season? Absolutely not. That's not going to happen. He's he's not uh, Steph Curry or even uh, Joe Harris. But I want to see if he can get to the mid 30s, maybe even upper 30s, and three point uh, production. Also, defensively, you know, you lose so many good defenders from, from the last year or two KCP, uh, Caruso, uh, Kyle Kuzma, a very underrated defender last season. I thought he really stepped up his game on defense, especially when his offense was kind of hurting. So, as far as um, THC, can he shoot and can he defend? And if he improves both those areas, I think he'll definitely carve out some pretty good rotation time for the Lakers. Some people even think he should start alongside Russell Westbrook. Hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen, but at the very least, you know he should be a sixth man, maybe a seventh man on this team.
2: Mike, fantastic stuff as always, buddy. I'm looking forward to getting the season started, and you and I get uh, more opportunities to cross paths and talk Lakers basketball. So thank you for uh, taking the time. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Anytime, my friend. Always good being on your show, and uh, thanks for having me on. All right,
2: that's Mike Resnan right there, Laker analyst for Spectrum Sportsnet. I'm going to stay on THT because I, I think, you know, expectations for THT this upcoming season, it does kind of sound fascinating to me because I think everybody's going to be a little bit all over the place. I think Lake fans will be surprised my expectations for THT. We'll talk about that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Thank you to Mike Bresnahan taking some time there and, uh, and joining the show. Um, okay, so I, I want to talk. I know I mentioned I want to talk about Talon Horn Tucker. By the way, if you want to hit me on Twitter, I know I don't promote Twitter enough, at Alan Sliwa. Talon Horn Tucker's role this upcoming year, of just expectation-wise, only 20 years old, and what can you really expect from a 20-year-old? Well, I think actually Laker fans have some expectations for him, but before I get into that, I want to just real quick hit on um, what uh, Mike Bresnahan, to start off that interview, said. So he thinks Russell Westbrook's the most important player for the Lakers this upcoming season. I want to go back to that because I think that's a unique response to have. I think the natural, I think it's very natural for Laker fans to either say it's LeBron James or it's Anthony Davis. Those are really the only two players that you're going to hear from Laker fans. What camp do I fall on? I fall on the Anthony Davis camp. I fall on the 28-year-old, Walking into his prime, what an incredible opportunity at this stage of his career. He got, obviously, a full season, a full offseason to recover from some of his injuries. Um, He struggled last year, whether he was on the floor or he couldn't get on the floor. So I feel like there's a lot to prove for Anthony Davis this season. And I think he is by far the most talented player in the NBA on both sides of the ball that has not been the best player on a championship team, right? It was LeBron in the the year that the Lakers won championship, don't get me wrong, Anthony Davis is right behind him on that front, but I think there's a lot to prove for him where LeBron you're just kind of adding to your legacy and your championships and everything else. Now, the the point that Brez was trying to make on Russell Westbrook, it's a good point. What Brez is trying to say is no, no, no. It's on Russell Westbrook. Westbrook's the most important player. He's never won an NBA championship. Kevin Durant, you know, his former teammate, has had tremendous amount of success since he left. Uh, since he specifically left Russell Westbrook in the Oklahoma City Thunder and went on to win champ, uh, two championships. This is where I hesitate to say Russ is the most important player for the Lakers. I, I, I wouldn't say he's. I don't put him in that caliber. That I think LeBron and Anthony Davis are on this obviously superstar level. And Russell Westbrook's not too far behind, um, but Russell Westbrook getting to be the third best player on a championship team like the Los Angeles Lakers, that makes him damn dangerous. Because he's. it's not like he's playing with the Rockets and everything's on his shoulders and Harden's shoulders every single night. It's not like he's playing with the Oklahoma City Thunder and everything's on his shoulders and Paul George's shoulders or his shoulders and you know kind of go through a couple of different teams that he's been on. Even if you look back in the KD days, he was the second-best player on that team. Russ is the third-best player on the Lakers, so it's tough for me to say that this is on Russ's back because I just put Anthony Davis and LeBron James on a higher plateau. I still think it's Anthony Davis. I still think he's the most important player for the Lakers, and I still think that the Lakers go as far as Anthony Davis goes. Does that, Does that? Am I trying to diminish how important Russell Westbrook's going to be? Of course not. I've been barking on the radio since the Lakers made that trade how important I think it is and how I think he could be a game-changer But uh, from a foundational piece for me, Anthony Davis is where it starts and where it ends. LeBron obviously is going to do what he does. He's done it his whole career. Let's hope he's healthy this season and doesn't have some random injury like he had last year because a player um, was you know, diving for a loose ball, uh, I think carelessly diving for a loose ball. Okay, so the other conversation we're having with Brez, um, expectations for Talon Horton Tucker. What are the expectations for THT. So, by the way, I did not know this when Bresnahan mentioned that he's got the fourth highest contract on the Lakers. Interesting. Did not know that. He's right. Three-year, $32 million deal. So many of these Laker players, you're either Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, where you're making, you know, unbelievable amount of money, or you're a lot of these veterans that just kind of signed for the minimum. Uh, THT's making three years, $32 million. So I like the way Brez set it up that financially, the amount of money that he's making actually starts saying, no, 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 THT, it don't matter that you're 20 years old. You got to start producing right now, and they're going to need him to produ- uh, produce right now. So that that's going to be, I think this is going to be an interesting one to watch all season long. Let let me let me kind of describe where I see Tht or what my expectations are for him this upcoming year. I think the dude's got an unbelievable future. You know, I, I've got the fortunate opportunity to watch every single Lakers game, and you know, doing the pregame show, and I'm doing it with Michael Thompson, listening to John and Michael on the broadcast, and hearing them talk about Tht when those moments, um, you know, present themselves, and then myself in the postgame show, just doing whatever I'm doing and reacting to Laker games. Uh, Taylor Tucker's got an incredible, incredible amount of potential. No one's going to argue that. No one's going to question that. That's a, It's kind of a no-brainer. With that being said, I, I don't forget his age. He's 20. And I also don't forget the fact that there are a ton of veterans on this Lakers team that they don't have the amount of talent as Taylor Horn Tucker. They can't run or jump or you know whatever the case is. Um, like they used to but they've been in the game for so long they do they know what to know, they know what to do in certain predicaments certain situations they understand when a defense throws this at them they can use their mind because of the amount of experience they have in the league and who am I talking about I'm talking about think about the players I'm talking I'm talking about Carmelo how long has he been in the league Rajan Rondo how long has he been in the league go down the list Trevor Ariza uh, Kent Bazemore Wayne Ellington there's going to be a lot of guys that just have So much more experience than Taylor Horn Tucker. I'm excited about THT. I think THT could be a big piece of the Lakers' future. Uh, I think the contract that the Lakers signed him to, a three-year, $32 million deal, is a very reasonable contract for a player with that much potential. Um, I think the Lakers, the reason why they didn't bring back Alex Caruso and that money went to THT is because they feel big picture, They feel big picture that THT is going to have more value than a guy like Alex Caruso. Um, But with all that being said, I think you got to be realistic with those expectations. When you're on a championship team and you have this many experienced veterans that you know any given night can give you 15, 20 minutes, and you just know what you're going to get from them, I think that is always going to play, uh, it's always going to weigh heavy on a head coach. Of okay, I got to make sure that I got the right person in in the last couple of minutes of a game. It's it's interesting what Bress says. Brez says no. He he thinks that maybe he could be a potential starter right next to Westbrook. Maybe he'll be closing out some of these games. Maybe he'll be the sixth man for the Lakers. I kind of go with a I got to see it to believe it type of thing because I do think one of the you know main differences main differences between this year's roster than last year's roster. The Lakers went out and got guys who have been there and have done it before. And last season, there were 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 24-year-olds. All those guys got, you know, they either were traded or they signed somewhere else. And the Lakers obviously thought, we need guys with more experience over this championship run. Um, so I'm I'm a little more curious on THT. I don't think it's a given that Talon Horan Tucker is going to get 30 minutes a night. Maybe I'm way off on this. By the way, I don't mind being way off on it. That means Taylor Horn Tucker is having a, a tremendous impact. But I think Taylor Horn Tucker is also going through the growing pains of a young player, somebody who's just kind of starting his NBA career that has had some spurts of, wow, this guy, you can't take him off the floor. And then other times, okay, there's a turnover, there's a bad shot. You've got to kind of control how to use Taylor Horn Tucker. Uh, one other thing I want to point out about THT, Brez mentioned. He's got to improve as a shooter and a defender. Yeah, this is the year. Like, this is a critical year for him. When I say critical, what do I mean? He's 20. He can be in the league for another 12 years, uh, 15 years, whatever the case is. When I say critical, as in it's literally critical, this is what the Lakers need from him. Right, because he's going to be trying to get minutes from guys like Wayne Ellington, guys like Kent Bazemore, some of these other role players for the Lakers, and I think those guys are most definitely going to put up a fight that they can justify getting playing time because they've been in the league for a while or they're more dependent as a shooter. But I will tell you this, man: Tht has had some moments early in his career where there are times you feel you got to keep this guy on the floor. He's a playmaker. Uh, can jump through the, you know, obviously can jump through the gym. Um, I know Laker fans who didn't really get a chance to see him all that much last season, just because there weren't fans in arenas. When he gets, when he gets his opportunities this season, you know, Staples Center will go crazy about a young kid that's being cropped by the Los Angeles Lakers. So a lot to be excited about with Talon Horn Tucker. Uh, but I'm not sure yet You know what that expectation is this season. I'm probably not going to be as high as others because I think the Lakers do have a championship roster that a lot of these veterans are going to get significant minutes. Even if it's not 30 minutes, you got two guys taking 15 minutes each. There's 30 minutes from one position. But we'll see how it plays out. You can hit me on Twitter, at Allen Sliwa, if you want to give me your expectations on Taylor and Horn, Tucker this upcoming season. Okay, coming up next is probably one of my favorite segments here top NBA stories, and I get to do it with Michael Funches. Uh, All that's coming up next. We still got Trevor Lane coming up uh, at 8.30 from Lakers Nation, so stay right here. Don't go anywhere, Laker fans. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.